G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. resurrection of Jesus thing can be a bit hard to swallow. I mean, did it really happen? And if it did, what does it mean for us, for you and me, here and now? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who died for your sins, the one who rose again to give you a new life, a resurrection life, your eternal life. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you lay hold of that new life, to live in it, to live it out from here for all eternity. Let let me paint you a picture. Just the other day, someone you love has passed away. You really admired and trusted this person. I mean, you'd seen them in operation and and, and now they're gone. It's a shock. Shouldn't have happened. They they were so young, so full of potential and promise. They, They had a future. And now that person's gone. Take some time to come to grips with that sort of a loss. The shock, the sadness, even anger. And we go through all sorts of different stages in that grieving process. You wake up with that dull headache in your head. You, what's it about? And then you remember your loss. The, the phone rings and it's another friend and they're ranting and they're raving and this person who was dead, they're saying, they're alive, he's alive, I've seen him. Now, ha- hang on a minute. What sort of a crackpot is this? I mean, what's going on? Is this some sick joke? But your friend's adamant, he's alive. Now what? H- how do you react to that? I mean, it's an incredible claim, an incredulous claim, mad You saw him die with your own eyes, arrested, crucified, buried, and definitely very, very dead. You know, in one sense, it's almost easy to believe if you read it in the Bible. You know, it's something that happened a couple of thousand years ago to Jesus. I mean, long enough ago to make it safe. You know what I mean? Sure, God could do anything. God did that way back then, and it was 2,000 years ago. The question is, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead again... Let's just transpose that into today, here and now. Jesus here. You get a phone call tomorrow morning. Jesus is alive. You saw him die. He's alive. Is it possible? Today we're going to put ourselves back in the shoes of the disciples, right there in that place in Jerusalem. This is the second message in a series of four that I've called The Price He Paid For You. And it's about that part of the Easter story that involves the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What was that about? Did it happen? And if it did, what does it mean to you and me here and now? Now, if we put ourselves back in the shoes of those disciples right there in that Jerusalem 2,000 years ago with the Jesus they knew, (laughs) all of a sudden it gets a whole bunch harder to believe, doesn't it? It was a bit like that for Mary Magdalene. She went down to the tomb to embalm the body of Jesus and Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look inside the tomb And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They've taken Jesus my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realise it was him. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and, and I'll go and get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers, the disciples, and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord, she told them. He had said these things to her. See, it wasn't only Mary. I mean, I love the fact that even though Jesus had told them time and time and time again he would rise from the dead, she looked at Jesus, and it's so incredible to think that he could possibly be alive, she mistakes him for the gardener. Do you get the joke in that? The Son of God has risen from the grave, and Mary, I mean, the humour here is just something else. Mary looks at him and thinks he's the gardener, the guy that mows the lawn and weeds the gardens and does the edges. But she wasn't the only one. I mean, after that, Thomas, sometimes we call him Doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas was one of the twelve, and he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus first came to them after he'd risen from the dead. And so the other disciples said to him, Thomas, mate, we've seen the Lord. He's alive. (laughs) But Thomas said, look, come on. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side where they'd pierced him, I am not going to believe this rubbish. Now, a week later, Jesus' disciples were in a house together, and again, this time, Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Shalom. And then he said to Thomas, Tom, come on, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out and put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believing. And Thomas just said, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you've believed, and you're blessed. But blessed are those who have not yet seen, but they believe. Now, I don't know, but but I think I'm with Thomas. This is hard to believe when you're close to it. What do you believe? Maybe it's an uncomfortable question. Maybe it's easy to consign this whole resurrection of Jesus thing back into the past, kind of like a, like a fable that we give some moderate level of intellectual assent to, a kind of vague, half-believing insurance policy thing. But the Apostle Paul takes it very seriously. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. So for Paul, the resurrection wasn't some optional extra. It wasn't some kind of distant myth, not something that we can just kind of half-believe, maybe. And we can say, look, I, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But see what it says here. Paul writes, If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you don't believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're wasting your time. Let me ask you today simply, what do you believe in your heart about the resurrection of Jesus? The resurrection can seem completely incongruous amidst the day-to-day realities of our lives. I mean, I mean, we get up and we go to work and we do all the stuff and, and we sit in meetings and we take the kids to school. And we do all those day-to-day things and, and you look around and you think, hang on, Could Jesus possibly, in the middle of all this normality, could he have risen from the dead? 
Now stick the resurrection right in the middle of your day-to-day reality and ask me, Bernie, in the middle of all this, do you actually believe that this Jesus was raised from the dead? I mean, it seems incongruous. It's an outrageous notion. It just doesn't fit. Come on, Bernie, do you really believe this stuff? And my answer to you is absolutely, I do. I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's me. What about you? What, what do you believe? And if Jesus did rise from the dead, so what? What does it mean to you here and now, today? I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now this whole resurrection thing, it ain't just a theory lesson. It's not just something that may have happened 2,000 years ago. The whole point of Jesus rising again is to give you a new life, a resurrection life, a powerful new life that he wants you to live out day after day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is meant to turn your life and mine completely upside down. Well, okay, if he did rise from the dead, what does that mean to you and me here and now? What relevance is there in all of that for our lives? Can the resurrection of Jesus Christ have an impact on your life and mine today? I think they're the right questions to ask. I mean, why have a resurrection at all? Why did God plan it that way? And why did he make it central to believing in Jesus? Just earlier, we saw how the Apostle Paul said that it was essential that without faith in this resurrection, there was no point. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if Christ wasn't raised, then your faith is futile. Okay, that's the theology, if you like. Take that at face value. But why is it so important? Why does God put it right at the center of believing in Jesus? It's not an optional extra. It's central. So I'm a pesky bloke. I keep asking these questions because, truthfully, people never really explained this stuff to me when I became a Christian at first in terms that I could really understand and lay hold of. All these Christians were talking about this whole resurrection and the blood of the Lamb and, and all this sort of stuff like it was really important. Well, great, but why? Believing in Jesus for me is a process. It's a lifelong thing that happens. And at some point, I took a step of faith to believe in him. But what I discovered was there were lots of different parts of my life that didn't fit with him. Selfishness, anger, judgment. And I'm a really judgmental person, naturally, in the flesh. All stuff that actually stunted my growth. It's crazy how we want to hold on to the rubbish in our lives for dear life. But we do, and it turns out to rob us of life. 
You know, I used to spend most of my time being angry with people because they didn't measure up to my standards. They didn't see the world the way I did. And you know what? That, that robbed me of life. So instead of peace and joy, I was always angry. There, there was always resentment in my heart. Not rocket science, is it? It's one thing to believe with our head or our hearts in Jesus and that he rose again. But it's quite another to believe with our lives. To do that, to live it out authentically, requires change. And that's where the resurrection comes in. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Let's unpack that. You have the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, where Jesus paid for all our sins. You know, we turned away from God. We we missed the whole point of creation. That's what sin is. We looked at that last week. But God is loving and just. We've all fallen short, and so Jesus died for us. And when we believe in that, our slate is wiped clean. We're forgiven, and we have a fresh start, like a prisoner coming out of jail, having served his sentence. It's fantastic. But you and I know that, that getting rid of that rubbish in our lives that God calls sin, it's a lifelong process. Come on, we're we're all naturally selfish, at least I am. Someone does us wrong somehow, and we want anger and revenge and payback time. But Jesus turns around and says, you want to believe in me with your life? Well, show me. Go on. Go out and love your enemy. In fact, pray for them. I don't know about you, but that way of living just didn't come naturally to me. So in the process of changing, we discover that changing those things is really hard. I mean, it's very hard, and in fact, in some areas, it's downright impossible. I was just talking recently with some friends, and I know I'm a very outcome-oriented person, and I expect everyone else to be the same. They're not. Some people are wonderfully relationship-oriented, much more so than I am. Now, those people aren't outcome-oriented, but we need them too. So what am I going to do? Do I spend my whole life getting angry with them? Do I spend my whole life complaining about people who are different to me and they don't fit with my way of thinking and behaving? I mean, Paul bemoans this reality in Romans chapter 7 when he says, look, I can will to do what's right. I just can't seem to do it. Who will rescue me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to our God, our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection is learning to live again. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through that same spirit. God God wants to bring life back to our bodies, colour into our cheeks. How many people need that in their lives right now? And they're looking in all sorts of strange places. There are people who are broken and hurt inside. There are people who are suffering from low self-esteem. There are people who are addicted to anger like I was. And we go looking for solutions in all these wrong places when the solution is staring us in the face. This isn't some theory. It's actuality. The same Holy Spirit who breathed life back into the dead body of Jesus is the Spirit that wants to give us victory over the sin of our humanity and breathe life back into our mortal bodies. That's what the resurrection is about here and now. The Spirit wants to give us victory and a new life. 
Come on, this is great stuff. This is a great plan. This is good news. It's fantastic news. God wants to do for you and for me here and now and every moment of every day for the rest of our lives here on earth to keep changing us and and setting us free and filling us with fresh new life. What he did for Jesus when he brought Jesus back to life after his crucifixion on the cross. God wants to give us a new life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? And after this, this break, we're going to take a deeper look at that. Because Jesus, as it turns out, has something very, very special in store for you and me. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I'd just like to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. The central message of Easter that Jesus died and rose again to save you and me is something that all too sadly we seem to skim over all too quickly, just this one time every year. And yet tucked away in this thing we call Easter is a shocking truth that's meant to turn our lives upside down 365 days of the year. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet, The Shocking Truth About You, Me and Barabbas. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you live in the abundant life that Jesus purchased for you on that cross and through that empty tomb. In fact, each chapter contains a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on one 300 722-415 and I'll send you a free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on one 400 722-415. Have you ever been in a place where you've lost all hope? I mean, Hope, as it turns out, is a very precious commodity. We all need it in our lives to look forward to, to, to hope in the deep sense that I have a future, I know where I'm going, and, and when there's no future, it's tragic. When we lose hope, it feels like life is over, and that's the problem with death. I mean, we all die at some point physically. Some die young, others watch their bodies progressively give up the ghost. If God is God, though, if he loves us the way the Bible says he does, then hope would be very, very high on his list because the last thing that he would do or he would want for us is to experience hopelessness and it turns out that hope is very high on his list indeed. That's what the whole resurrection thing was about. It's a funny thing, but when things are going badly in our lives, isn't it funny how hope evaporates really quickly? Have you noticed that? I mean, look at the disciples. Over and over again, Jesus told them, "'Guys, I'm going to be crucified.'" but I'm going to rise again. Come on. He told it to them lots of times, but when it happened, when he died, they were fearful. They were devastated. They they were scattered to the four winds. They deserted him. They completely lost sight of his promise, the resurrection, the thing that would give them hope. And actually, most of them, as we saw before, needed convincing that Jesus was alive again. Be like us. Life takes a turn for the worse. The first thing you do is you throw hope out the window. It's kind of natural. First Chronicles in the Old Testament, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 15 says, Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. And let me get right in your face now for a bit, because we need some good teaching on hope. It's not hope that I hope it rains tomorrow, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I mean the certain hope that faith in Jesus Christ brings. 
When we put our trust in Jesus in the good times and we lay down our lives and we love him and we adore him and we worship him and we follow him with our lives, I tell you what happens. When the storm clouds start to roll in, something strange and new and wonderful happens in our hearts. This light of hope shines and it won't go out. Peter the Apostle writes in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a beautiful passage. If you have a Bible, grab it and have a look. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love that. A new birth into a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we rejoice, even though now, for a while, we've had to suffer various trials. Boy, that's an understatement. The people Peter was writing to, these Christians, were being tarred and feathered, burned at the stake, fed to lions, tortured, killed. And Peter writes to them and says, but you know something? When you look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a certain hope for the future. Over and over again, the New Testament talks about Jesus being the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, it points back to his resurrection. Jesus took all of our sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So he died because of our sin and he is the first of many to rise again. He is the firstborn, the first one in this resurrection cycle and we put our hope in that because we too, when we believe in Jesus, will rise again and have eternal life. One day when my body gives up the ghost, one day I'll stand before Jesus forever and ever and ever It's a historical fact that death couldn't hold Jesus down. And when we put our trust in him, that's where we put our hope. Our problem is we spend so much time hoping for the next pay rise, hoping for some temporal bauble here on earth, that we lose sight of the living hope we have through Jesus Christ, through his resurrection. Let's do it again. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. We are born again into a living hope. Not an uncertain hope, not not a hope that's fleeting and fading, but a certain hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. That is there for you, that is there for me, if we put our faith in Jesus. And if we're able to say before God in our hearts, I believe Jesus is your son, he died for me, he rose again, it's rock solid. And you know the basis of that promise? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at your life for the moment, the things that aren't going too well for you at the moment, the things that you might want to change. The reality is we can't change some of them. Maybe God will change them, maybe he won't, I I don't know. But in the meantime, he wants us to live life in the certain hope that we have a future, an eternal future, and we know that because we can look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He defeated sin on the cross, the wages of our sin became his death. But Jesus defeated that. He paid for my sin, he paid for your sin on the cross, and still he rose again, even though he bore all that sin. And that's what awaits us. That doesn't compare to anything you and I can have on earth here. It just doesn't compare. That certain hope of eternal life with Jesus far outweighs, it far eclipses anything we could have here and now. John writes in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, he gives us a glimpse, it's like a, like a crack opens up in heaven and he's able to see inside and he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old things have passed away. Nothing. Nothing comes anywhere close to that. We wander around down here in the weeds, in the murky mire, and we we try and get hope and satisfaction out of all sorts of things that are going to pass away. What things on this earth will you and I be able to take with us when we breathe our last? Come on. That's why God wants us to put our faith in Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is God's call to set our eyes and our hearts and everything we are and all our hopes and dreams on heavenly things because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first among many, that's where we're going when we trust in Jesus. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If you have been raised with Christ... Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth, because you have died to them. It is time, my friend. It is time for you and me to start living our lives from an eternal perspective. When the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central truth, central to what we believe in in our hearts, two things change. Firstly, the Holy Spirit starts taking away the rubbish that God calls sin and giving us life here and now, vibrant and abundant life. And secondly, no matter what happens, no matter how sick we get, how poor we get, we know that one day we will stand before Jesus Christ and cry out. Before I go, there's something very important that I'd like to share with you. Over these coming weeks, this program, Christianity Works, is going to be encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. After all, Easter is a time when hearts are open to receive this amazingly good news. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with the gospel message. So a gift today of just $35 can touch around 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called The Shocking Truth About You, Me, and Barabbas. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again, same time next week, with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.